0: It's known that ethno-cultural minorities in Canada, both immigrant and native-born, experience unique hardships. These issues exist in the Filipino community as well as we have explored in our first two conversational segments. So what are the challenges you have faced in the past or are currently facing while adjusting to life in Canada or growing up between two cultures? And how do you think these challenges affected your mental health and sense of well-being?
1: Well, being bullied at school and everything is a norm. Like, not a norm, but it happens all the time, right? But because I have been here since I was, like, gosh, 17 years old. At first, I experienced a little bit. I even lived in Hubima because my parents used to teach at the school there when I was at a young age and lived in Wichasco. But the thing that really bothers me is that a lot of these people are being so racist and stuff. Like, with my experience, I think a lot of those people that are natives are the most caring because I live there. I used to live there. So that's why when I see people that are being racist, it really upsets me. I mean, gosh, my... um graduation partner, when I went to my graduation, was a native because we used to live there, right? So, I don't know. I've never had really experienced anything like that. And we even lived in Wichasco for a few years. Or maybe because I didn't really care up to now. I don't care what they do (laughs) as long as I do what I want kind of thing. So, I've never really experienced even in the like the seniors, because we have our senior center over downtown, right? And sometimes there are people from the street that would come and use the bathroom and everything like that. Our guys that are manning the doors, they just let them in. And one time we didn't even know. I thought she was part of our group. She just all of a sudden sat there and ate with us. And that was fine, like, you know. And then I got really upset because I said, You guys don't do your job. You don't know who's it and they said, Well, we thought that he's a guest of somebody, so but you know, it's I've been here for so long I've never even my kids never had to experience any of that stuff. So I don't really know how to react to any of this.
2: Right, Tita. So I know in your seniors group, you have a lot of seniors being invited by their kids here and maybe help in taking care of their apos, like their grandchildren. How are they doing? Like, Are you seeing they're contributing for their family?
1: Some of them, they can only go out on the weekend because uh, they are five days a week babysitting. I mean, you know how older people are, you just say yes because you have to do it it becomes like your obligation because uh, your kids are working and everything. So you just agree to it, right? Mm -hmm. And doing it. That's why coming to the center on Sundays, that's just their outing from babysitting. But they are all fine, like, you know, looking after pool. I know they grumble and they complain sometimes, but that's very normal, right? And they live, I mean, they live with them. And sometimes... We have a few seniors that are in apartments now because uh, they could not live with their kids. But other than that, they have their own thing. They try to amuse themselves, like going to the mall. They meet at the malls and stuff. So they're all, I think, adjusted to everything that's uh, here in Canada. There's about 30 Filipinos that go to Northgate before pandemic. Every day, Monday to Friday. They just uh, buy coffee and they just sit there till 12 o'clock. Then after that, then they run home because they have to pick up their kids. They grumble about it, but they're going to do it anyways, right? That's a normal. (laughs) And I think they're happy doing it too.
2: All right. Thank you very much, Tita Lucy. So it's uh, very interesting and I've learned a lot actually from seniors because I also work with seniors group before and even until right now. So yeah, from what April have asked us, are there any... Challenges that you face, especially growing up in two cultures.
0: Um, okay. Banjo, yeah, you, yeah, go ahead. Like the things that you're facing and the challenges you faced when, again, you were 13 when you got here and trying to integrate yourself into a new culture. And tell us about that and how it affected your mental health.
3: Okay, so um, we first immigrated here back in 2000, or yeah, 2000. And, Our first city was Winnipeg. So my first school there, junior high, I've been called a fob. I didn't know what it was, I didn't know what it means. So I just went like, okay, if you know Winnipeg, there's a lot of Filipinos in Winnipeg because it's such a small city. And yeah, I've been called a fob by Filipinos. Six months later, my dad found a job here in Edmonton. So we decided to move here in Edmonton. My school here, There's not much Filipinos. I think there's like two of us, two Filipinos on that school. And most of the students are multicultural, like a Black, Indian, Chinese, white. It's like a melting pot of cultures, right? And then I got along with them fine. I didn't get called Bob. I didn't get stereotype or anything. So I don't know why Filipinos down their own people instead of lifting them up.
0: Thanks, Banjo. Could you touch on also, you said that you had friends that were not from the Filipino community and your parents didn't want you hanging out with them?
3: Oh, yeah. Like back in junior high, my friends were having a birthday party and I was invited. And I asked my dad, can I go? He said, No. So I think he's scared of me hanging out with other cultures because he doesn't know that culture pretty well. But I kind of felt sad because if I could have went to that party, I could have bonded with my classmates pretty well. We're still good friends, like me and my classmates back then. But then I could have had like a deeper connection with them if I could have hang out with them more instead of just seeing them in school.
2: All right. Thank you very much, friends. That was uh, good stories from you. And thank you for sharing that. So maybe I could ask Adriel, because he was born and raised here, and I'm not so sure if you have that sense of longing as being a Filipino, so can you share about that?
4: So being born and raised here, I was exposed to a lot of like the Western media, I guess you could say, like Sesame Street, Elmo, Fast and Furious, Game of Thrones, you know. And then I also talked to friends who used English I talked to them about North American pop culture. I learned subjects in English. I learned history of Canada. So I guess in summary, you could say that my Canadian side was more nurtured over time. From my Filipino side, I think my only exposure to it was the festivals and maybe those Filipino dramas you see on TV. But other than that, it wasn't really that much. I think personally, my struggle was trying to maintain a connection to my Filipino side. I want to consider this work here part of my reconnection process. And
2: like a follow-up question to that, Adriel, do you think it's affected maybe uh, at some point, affected your mental health or maybe sense of well-being?
4: I'd say it affected more of my cultural identity Mm -hmm. because I think this really came out when I go to the Philippines and visit my relatives over there. I feel like I don't really fit in there. Mm-hmm. And there is definitely a language barrier when I talk to my relatives.
2: So you kind of felt alienated from them.
4: Yeah, but thankfully they do speak a little bit of English. So, yeah, sure. I
2: right, thank you for that for sharing, Adil. And I want to go to maybe between Christina and Nicole. You came here like you're very, very young. Like I know Christina, you've been here for like when you were three, and Nicole, you're, I think, you're six. So maybe you can share how that experience and growing up, is there any challenges and maybe how it affected your well-being or mental health?
5: I guess I can start. So I came here when I was four and I actually remember a lot from the Philippines and you know Tagalog was my first language. And we were very lucky that a good chunk of my mom's family was already in Edmonton when we came here. I grew up in a very multicultural community too, like Woods is very multicultural. So when I started kindergarten, there were a lot of visible minorities in that school. There were no Filipinos though. So I remember even the first sense I had of being different was, you know, when you had to do show and tell and mention your cousins' names and my cousins had, you know, names that weren't typically Western. So even at that moment, I became shy to even share. And then I moved to another school when I was in grade one, so from grades one to six. I moved to another school in the woods where it's also very multicultural. There were a lot of Latinos. One of my friends growing up was, you know, indigenous. We learned a lot about indigenous culture. There were no Filipinos. So I remember I think out of my whole grade, there were only three Asians, including myself. And people were always like, Where are you from? And they automatically assume you're from China. And you have to try and explain. Like, at the time, I was very young, right? I didn't even know where the Philippines was. And then they assumed the other two kids are from China as well, and they're from Brunei. So even though it was very multicultural, uh, because it was mainly Indian, there there's a lot of Latinos at the time, too. You know, in a way, I felt different. But at the same time, I didn't feel like You know, when I hear other experiences of kids who grew up in like all white schools, like I didn't necessarily have that experience. I do remember when I was up to grade four or something, maybe I was like nine or so, I found myself accidentally just talking in Tagalog and I was like, I have to stop. So I think from then on, I had this fear of accidentally switching languages. So I just forced myself to keep speaking English. Mm -hmm. And my parents didn't really encourage for us to keep the language, unfortunately. Like, I I still understand it. I've talked to my grandma in Tagalog, and, you know, I I can read it. But most of my cousins here, like, from when I was young up to now, were born in Canada, so they don't speak the language at all. And so there's that disconnect even with me and my sister. My sister came here when she was two. Like, she had no memory. I at least had some memories. But then you still feel a slight difference where, like, I've been always very interested in my culture and learning more. Whereas, say, cousins here who were born here, all their friends are Filipino because they went to a Catholic school. But then you still feel some sense of separation because they never spoke the language and their interest in learning the culture is not the same Mm -hmm. as mine is. You know, there's just differences, like a good example for my sister is, I think she was in some ways more observant than me. And I think she had a story where my dad came to the school one time. And then even like explaining what your dad does, I would tell my friends, oh, my dad works in a school. And they're like, oh, what does he do? Is he a teacher? And it's like, no, he's the custodian. In that sense, you feel some sense of embarrassment. I think my sister felt it way worse. So even the idea of like when you see Filipino role models, you don't see a lot. And then also being at a very religious upbringing, like my mom was very religious. So having those arguments, especially starting in junior high, high school, and then when I went to university, now you're getting a liberal arts education and learning a lot more. There's a lot of these arguments about religion. So even my like sister and I, we stopped going to church because it can't connect with that part of Filipino culture. It's one of the most visible things, I would say the food and the, the religion, but it's almost like in some way superficial. And yeah, Sita Lucy is very interesting. You brought up growing up in Havina because one of my good friends, is Métis. And because I'm kind of culturally ambiguous, I've always had a lot of Indigenous people think that I'm Indigenous. I've had Filipino people question on where I'm from or whether I was actually born in the Philippines. We immediately connected because there's parallels in those cultures. So I think that's something we're really missing from our you know, just our cultural identity because it's like fragmented. Like my Filipinos try so hard to assimilate that they forget who they are, and they don't value passing their culture, their language to their children beyond the you know the religion and you know maybe food at parties. And because they try so hard just to assimilate, I feel like Filipinos might not immediately say I'm facing racism. Like, even for me, it's hard for me to say I face racism. Like it's interesting, when I was young, I think I was in kindergarten, I was actually the black kid that did the Chinese eyes to try to offend me, right? But yeah, working with immigrants too, there's a lot of systemic barriers to job access, to getting credentials recognized, that sort of thing is very obvious. Like I saw it with my dad, and even I argued with my parents on what I was going to take in university, because my mom already had this idea of going to be a nurse, my dad had this idea of going to be an engineer, and I was like, no, I want to get into psychology or the arts. yeah i think it was that generational divide that does influence mental health but i also see it from working with immigrants and the stress of not finding work when i was working with filipino families i was surprised to see how much domestic violence there was too i think that's also an issue that's not being addressed in the community as well yeah i even hear from a friend of mine who's filipino or sorry canadian born he has family who immigrated from the philippines it was like five or six years ago. His cousin has mental health issues. And yeah, I think I could go on and on about about the subject here. But yeah, those are just some observations. I think definitely there are so many issues. Yeah. Um, I don't even know where to start. Yeah.
2: No worries. And it's a good thing to you touch more on community issues and the, the cultural identity, which is also mentioned by other guests, specifically Adriel, right? So that's actually a secret to our next question. But I just quickly want to ask Nicole.
6: I think our relationship with our cultural identity and our mental health, to me especially, it's a, it's a significant one. If I didn't have my cultural identity, I don't know who I would be as a person. And that would affect how my thought processes would function, how my daily life would go through, right? So that's our mental health. And I think our relationship with our mental health starts at our childhood. So during childhood, I went to predominantly white schools. So there was always this internal monologue of, am I going to be white today or am I going to be Filipino today? It was a lot of, should I bring a sandwich or should I bring sinagan? Like, who should I be? It's hard to reconcile it within yourself at first, right? So it starts with these internalized racism and the impacts of colonialism that have been just within us for so long, that has been passed from generation to generation, that leads to the denial of culture, of our own personal culture, when we have the ability to do so. That's affected my childhood a lot, and my mental health, and my personal cultural identity. And it manifests in this sort of silence about what mental health is in the community. So I have gone through a lot of things. I faced depression in high school. I still currently do, not to the same extent, but I was so terrified of talking about these things to my parents, to anyone, because it felt like as soon as I admitted this, it would be a mark of my unsuccessfulness. And I think that's just a really integral part of being Filipino, right? When we leave the Philippines to... Especially Canada or the States, anywhere, we expect success. We come here, we've sacrificed a lot of things because we want to be successful. And this is part of that. I think when we start talking about our mental health in the sense that, like, we're not doing well, what is seen as normal, all of a sudden we're unsuccessful. And we kind of start to deny even more our culture and our heritage because we can't relate to this version of success that has been normalized throughout the societal structures. Especially in this is, again, the crowd mentality. You don't want people to see you sweat. But I think Failure is a natural part and it should be an integral part to leading us into our successfulness, right? Like we learn from our failure and this is something that we never really discuss in Filipino communities, especially at home. Like I was always expected to have the highest marks and I would work for the highest marks, but if anything went wrong in this equation, immediately it would never work. You could never recover from it. So it's hard to To reconcile Filipino culture with the Western ideas of like, you can fail as long as you keep trying, you're okay. You know, like this kind of more less conservative structure, less rigid. There was a lot more fluidity in school for me because it was predominantly white. So they had these structures wherein there's not as much competition to be the best. There's not as much expectation to always be perfect. I think that was one part of my childhood that took a toll on my mental health, as well as the racism that I had to face. So it was kind of like it hit you twice the amount of denial you had for your culture, right? Like you didn't want to succumb to this perfection that your culture expected from you. So you denied it there. And then the peers around me would always make fun of the culture, even the parts that you loved about it dearly, right? So it was like, you're not supposed to like it. You're not supposed to like it, but you do like some parts of it. The reclamation of your identity fully, not just your Filipino identity, your Filipino culture, but also the culture that you're growing in, it's hard. I think that leads you to kind of isolate yourself because you think this is just happening to you because no one really talks about it in the Filipino community. I think the challenges I face are just isolation because of racism and just the contradictory stances that Western culture and Filipino culture has.
2: Mia, before we move on, like I know you've been uh, you work before in other country and then you move here. So, how is that experience from other culture and then coming here? So, is that affected things like when you're moving from other countries to the other?
7: Um, I worked in Dubai for three years before I came here. I was a public relations manager. Definitely the culture there is very different from here. Even the weather, from sunstorm to snowstorm. So I made some sacrifices just to come here because my mom said that she couldn't drive. Her license was revoked due to DVT, deep venous tombrosis. And she was stuck here in the house When I came here, I only found out that my brother took the equity of the house and bought another house in Vancouver. And so I was stuck with my sick mom with utang, debt. But with grace of God, everything went to my favor. I declared this property as a rental property. I did marketing, manual flyering in in front of Kingston University. This is where my house is located. I asked my uncle to build me three more rooms because the basement is like a poker room. (laughs) It's like a socialization uh, area for the seniors. So I turned that into uh, rental rooms. And so far, I only have two years left and everything is paid off. When I was in the Philippines in Dubai, I thought that Canada is like, everything is good, everything is, you know, it's easy, but I never imagined myself climbing again, like zero down. Cars wouldn't start, garage doors wouldn't open, and sometimes it would open in half, I don't have Manong. I don't have Manang. I got no one to help me. I don't know how to ride the bus. To this day, I don't know how to ride the bus. So, (laughs) it was pretty awful. But with the grace of God, I was able to keep up. I tried to learn through the people that I meet around the community. I met Tita Lucy back in the days. I don't know if she still remember me. So, I gained a lot of weight. (laughs) Way back. (laughs) Way back, Tita. So, I did a six-month stint for Himig Pinoy, 1.7 World FM. I was a DJ back then. I also wrote some articles for Alberta Filipino Journal. And from there, I met a lot of people. There's a lot of Boholanos, Ilocanos, Patanguenos. One weird experience I would, I would like to share. I was invited in a town hall meeting with Trudom. And I was the only Filipino there. And I wore Barong. And everyone was looking weirdly at me. Everyone was like, what is this made of and stuff? And I told them, when we were conquered by Spaniards, only the Spanish people are allowed to wear the suit, terno. But barong, why barong? Because it's transparent. You would know that there's a weapon right behind you or are you going to attack someone. That's why Indians wear barong. And up to this day, even the state of the nation address in the Philippines, we wear barong. And mainly why we did the United Filipino Youth Council is to collaborate with Tayo Hoy, also with Tito Oscar de La Paz. You know. He's been, you know, a good mentor too. There's a lot of clash within the community and I never expected that the people that I trust the most would also stab me. You, you know, I, I listened to Panjo. He didn't expect that his Filipino friends would bully him. No because Filipinos should look after one another. But I think that the millennials are very united. They're very excited to learn Tagalog. They're really excited to collaborate like what we're doing right now. But maybe back or uh, Tita Lucy's time, no? I'm not saying yeah. Tita Lucy, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. During that time, there's like clash of, I should be on top. Why? Among the communities, Koreans, there are only 1,500 of them. And they have two cultural centers. Filipinos in Alberta, 175,000, not a single cultural center. Why? Because everyone wants to be that cultural on center. Top. They want to be on top of each other. And that doesn't help. Yep. It doesn't help at all. What will help the Filipino community, this generation, is that we become united. Collaboration means growth. It's always growth. It doesn't matter if you're Tayo, if you're Hoy, if you're UFYC. What really matters is that what is our goal. If Indians, Pakistans, and all these Chinese, they did all this kind of work, why can't we do the same? What I always tell the kids, it doesn't matter if you don't look good because they try to be in front of camera. They try to speak Tagalog. It doesn't matter if you're short, you're tall, you're white, you're brown, you're black. It doesn't matter what your physical appearance is. It doesn't matter if you don't have good grades in school. It doesn't matter if you're always on top. The only lesson in school that is not being taught is you have to be a good person. Always be the good person. And that's what matters. And so these kids, they have like this insecurity. There's one youth member that never spoke a single word at all. I met her a couple of times. She was 13 years old at that time never spoke a single word she's so shy naive and so and learned that she was bullied in school and so i told her that you always have to be the good person and you always have to know that no matter what your color is you can do better than anyone else and now she's hosting shows for us she opened Jollibee in Edmonton She's also creative writer for potato corner she's also been doing some artwork for the kids Philippine Heritage is the curriculum for Tagalog, for Filipino language. It's been added already. Why don't we make the most out of it? Encourage your nephews, your nieces, your grandchildren to learn how to speak the Filipino language. Because why? First, you have to teach them how to sing the national anthem. The national anthem has everything. It has all the history. And whenever our flag is raised during Heritage Month, you feel the certain pride of being Filipino. And I hope that we just do the same thing for everyone else. Just try to write these songs and learn on YouTube. Lupang Hinirang and a song like Bayan Ko. I'll just sing a short thing, Tita Lucy. I hope you still recall this song. Ang bayan kong Pilipinas, lupain ng gintot, bulaklak, pag If you learn exactly the exact translation for each word, then you would love to become 100% Filipino. Like, talagang Pinay na Pinay. It runs in your blood. It runs in your culture. All you need to do is just pass it on. If our generation would die here, like there's no one speaking in Tagalog or learning a culture, and we don't pass it on, then definitely the percentage would decrease and decrease. Maybe Tita Lucy's time, 50%. Maybe Tita Cristina, maybe 30%. Our time 20%, but we gotta boost it up because heritage was already a privilege given to us, Filipinos.
2: Right, thank you, thank you very much. In our previous discussion with Dita Ida, Lucila and Dita Lucenia, we touched more about that. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm going on moving forward to our next question because during that conversation, Tita Ida mentioned that there are positive and negative traits and attitudes Filipinos have acquired through ongoing effects of colonialism. And I think that was mentioned, you know, crowd mentality among Filipinos. And then Tita Lucenia had also proposed a challenge to the Filipino community. And I think Mia has also given us a challenge as well for the next generation to reinvent the Filipino identity.
4: Well, pretty big challenge to tackle, huh? I wonder what our guests have to say in part three. Anyways, Adriel the podcast editor here again. Thanks for listening to part two. Give this a share if you want more people to know about these kind of stories. I hope that these insights here help you pause and reflect about what the Filipino identity really is and what you can do to better the future of the community. Just know that our culture is so vast. We have over 7,000 islands, a multitude of languages and a wide variety of regional food. So can we really say that there's only one correct way to be Filipino? Like in part one, more info on our guests as well as our socials can be found in the description as well as a feedback form. Let me know if the audio levels are okay cause balancing eight completely different mics so the sound is consistent is well, it's something else. Now, before I sign off, at the time of me recording this outro the philippines was recently hit by two powerful typhoons in a span of two weeks typhoon roly or goni internationally and typhoon ulysses or vamco internationally the first one being the strongest storm ever recorded in 2020 so far so if you're able the philippine red cross is taking donations via paypal more info can be found in the description below I pray that those affected by the storms can get back on their feet again and a huge, huge thank you goes to all the people involved in the rescue and cleanup efforts. Take care everyone and I'll see you in the final part of episode 3.